depth, right? Now, this is a great message today, by the way, not because I'm sharing it this morning, but because it's in God's Word, and all you have to do is pick it up and read it. And this is not good news, folks, as the song says. This is the best news ever. And when you think about last week, when we talked about the situation that we're all in, we're under the wrath of God. I mean, as humanity, we are sinners. And, you know, if you need help being convinced of that, if you're a man, ask your wife. If you're a woman, just ask your husband. If you're a child, ask your parents. And if you're a parent, ask your children. They'll let you know you are a sinner, right? And we all have a problem. But thank God he doesn't leave us in that problem. So not, the, not, the, not good news. It's the best news ever. Romans chapter 3 this morning, if you would take your Bible and turn there. And I'm going to put a few verses on the screen, but you need to be in this section because we're going to go back and forth a little bit. Just to remind you, last week the message started in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. But now Paul, writing the same letter, comes to chapter 3, and this is what he writes starting in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been, and the word is better translated, revealed. ESV uses manifested or made known, but the word is literally to to make unveiled, to, to reveal. But now the righteousness of God has been revealed And it's been revealed apart from the Ten Commandments. Now, you all know what the Ten Commandments are. Exodus chapter 19, God met with the nation of Israel. You shall have no gods before me. Uh, You shall not make any graven image. On down the list he goes, talking about all of these violations. The first four, man toward God. The second six, men toward men. That's how the Ten Commandments are broken up. But this is what Paul says. The righteousness of God is revealed apart from the Ten Commandments, apart from the law of God. You see, a Jew thought if they kept the big ten, they would be okay. Paul let them know in chapter 2 and 3, no, you're not, because you can't keep them. That's the problem with the law. The law is great. You should honor your parents. You should have only God. You shouldn't make idols. You shouldn't do this and that. Paul says, but there's a problem. We can't keep it. But thank God, he revealed righteousness from himself that's apart from the Ten Commandments. Now, aren't you glad of that? Because, trust me, folks, you can't keep them. I can't keep them. Nobody can keep them. So how is God going to get his righteousness to you? Well, he's revealed the way. It's made known or revealed apart from the law. Notice what he says. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, I'm going to take a little excursion here for just a moment. What does he mean by the law? Okay, now he's using a different phraseology. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's known as the law. So you have to follow Paul here. What Paul says is God's righteousness has been revealed apart from the Ten Commandments. But let me tell you something. The first five books of the Bible bear witness that this is how it operates. It's by faith and not works. Okay? That's what he's saying. So to get that, let's skip over to chapter 4. Real quick, in your Bible, I'm going to leave this on the screen. Go to chapter 4. 
Here is the law bearing witness that God has revealed his righteousness by faith. The first one is Abraham. He represents the law because he's found in what book? Just say Genesis. Genesis. And if you come back tonight, we're going to start studying about Abraham and talk about this mess that's in Israel. Gen- uh, Romans 4.1, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now folks, a Jew would know that Abraham was born hundreds of years before the Ten Commandments were even given. So listen to what Paul's saying here. He's saying that God declares people righteous based upon faith, not works. And he gives this example to show that this man was declared righteous before the law was even given. Are you all following me? Okay, gets a little technical. Hang on with me. The point is, God declares someone righteous by faith, not works. Abraham is test case number one. Now, he's going to say that, look up on the screen, the law and the prophets bear witness. Now we're going to talk about the prophets. Who was one of the greatest prophets? David. What does David say about God declaring someone righteous? Look down in verse, I'm going to look in verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. What does he do? Psalm 32, he's quoting, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. How does a man receive that? He receives it by faith. Okay, this is what Paul means. I'm just pulling it in here. But now, I'm back on the screen. The righteousness of God has been made known or revealed apart from the Ten Commandments. Although the first five books of the Bible, the law, and the prophets, David summing it all up, bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For who? Can you all repeat that with me? For all who believe. For there is no distinction, as he's proven in chapters 1 and 2, there's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You remember that from Awana, right? But catch this next part. And... All those who fall short of the glory of God, who believe, are justified. That's me, the sinner. That's you, the sinner, if you believe. You fall short of the glory of God, but guess what? The good news is, you're justified. How? By His grace. Are you ready for this? As a free gift. Now, folks, listen to me. This is not good news. I hate when people... This this is the best news! This is the best news ever! A free gift of God. He gives us His righteousness because we believe on Jesus and what He did for us. 
Now, Paul's going to explain how this happens. It's not cheap grace. Please don't say that this cost God dearly because listen to what Christ had to pay for it. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now he's going to explain. This is the righteousness that is revealed. God put forward as a great big word here. It's worth 25 cents. A propitiation. What does that mean? Let me read it this way. That word is best rendered satisfaction. So I'm going to go back, catch the last part. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God put forward as a satisfaction to remove wrath by His blood. Blood had to be shed. And when Christ shed His blood, God put that forth as a satisfaction to remove the penalty of sin. And it's a free gift, folks. Now listen to what Paul says. And it is to be received by what? Look at it. The only way you can receive this free gift is by you placing your faith in what Jesus did for you. That's it. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't live good enough. It is a free gift that God offers to you and all you have to do is accept that and believe it. And I'm telling you, your life will change. And folks, this is the grace of God and Paul's laying it out here. This was to show, putting Jesus forth to pay for sin, to shed His blood, this was to show God's righteousness. Because, get ready, I'm going to interpretively read here. Because in His divine forbearance, way back in the Garden of Eden, starting with Adam, He passed over former sins. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden and ate the, ate the fruit, when Cain killed his brother Abel, when all those sinners in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all the way up till today, or to the day of the, before the cross, when all of those people sinned, guess what God did? It was as if He took a credit card, stuck it in a machine and said, paid for and I'll reckon the account when Christ comes. He put all of their sin on credit until Jesus came. You say, well, how were they forgiven? By the death of Jesus. What did they have to do? Believe God's truth. And what did God do? He set Jesus forth. And when Jesus died, He took care of all that sin. He paid it all. He paid it all. He died for those who believed on Him. Get ready for this. And He died for those who didn't, although it will not be credited to them. You know why? Because they, they scoffed. They didn't need it. The heathen in chapter 1 worshipped the creature rather than the Creator. God would have given them truth. The moral man thought that he was going to be good enough to get himself there, and Paul said, nope, you fall short. The Jew thought he was good enough because he was born into the right family, and he had the Ten Commandments. And Paul said, nope, sorry, everyone has fallen short. No one has God's righteousness unless they received it by faith. Now notice what he says. He had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness. Put yourself at the time of Romans, Paul says, just a few years past Jesus' death and resurrection at this present time so that God the Father, I'm going to read here, 
so that He, God the Father, might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You say, how can God forgive all those people and tell them they're forgiven when Jesus hadn't died? Paul said, this is how. God knew His plan. Nobody else did. He was going to set Jesus forth, forgive this sin on credit. When Christ died, it took care of all past sin. And guess what? It takes care of all future. You want to know why? Because God died. God the Son died. Jesus was God in flesh. He was not the Father. Don't get this confused. He's God the Son, equal with the Father. And this was their plan to take care of the problem of man's sin who was fooled in the garden. And if you've been coming on Sunday night, you know that there was a lot going on in the garden. You had an enemy in the garden, an enemy that hated mankind. He hates man. And this is why, as Jesus describes him, he's a liar, he's a thief, and he's a murderer, and he has been since the beginning. God had a plan to foil all that so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has, here's our word again, faith in Jesus. Now let me go on. So now Paul's going to ask the Jew who's standing there going, well, uh, wait a minute, I had the Ten Commandments. Oh. And he's going to also talk to the Gentile who he said he's a dead or two. Sophisticated, unsophisticated, Jew-Gentile. Watch, he says, if this is the case and you're justified by faith in Christ, then Jew, Jew can you imagine him talking to him? Jew with the Ten Commandments? What becomes of your boasting? Paul said, not a thing. Not a thing. Uh, what kind of law? By a law of works? Nope. How? By the law of faith. 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 God takes you out of the equation. You have to put your faith in what He did for you, not what you do for Him. And that's the difference between biblical Christianity and religion. Religion is what you do for God. Biblical Christianity is what, what God has done for you. And this is the greatest gift ever. Now notice what Paul says. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Period. I mean, a free gift that you receive by faith because of what Jesus did for you to completely satisfy God's wrath against your sin. Folks, this is, like I said, this is not good news. This is the best news. Now, watch what he says. Because he knows that he has people in his audience that go, now wait a minute, now my, you don't know my lineage. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how good I've been. Paul, is he, is he God of the Jews only? Is he not God of the Gentiles also? Yes. Yes. Gentiles also. Who is a Gentile? Anybody that's not a Jew. If you're not part of the 12 tribes that came from the seed of Abraham, you're a Gentile. And what Paul was saying here was, God has now dispersed the gospel. It's not just to the Jew as Jesus came. It goes to the world. And he doesn't just justify the Jew, he justifies the Gentile. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith 
and the uncircumcised through faith. The Jew would always be circumcised. How would they be justified? What does Paul say? Through faith. What about the Gentile who was uncircumcised? How would they be justified? Through faith. The ground's level. The ground's level. Both are justified through faith. Now notice what Paul says. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? Absolutely not. No. On the contrary, we uphold it. Now he goes in and he tells the story about Abraham and David. Abraham upheld the law. What was the, the law of faith? He believed God. God counted it for righteousness. What did David do with the law? He believed God. And what did God do? He counted it for righteousness. Okay, there's chapter 4. If you have questions, ask. Now, we're going to dig, dig just a little. I know this is a little technical, but stay with me. Both words, righteousness and justification, you have to understand what they mean in order to understand this passage. Both words are used in some form four times. So uh, when you're outlining this, if you're like me and you like to color stuff, see, I, I, I do like Bob Ross. Somebody bought me a little thing this morning. Thank you, Rod. See, I mentioned Bob Ross last week, so I, I got some candy. I, I like to paint. And, and here's how I paint. Look, look at these words when you're sitting there studying them. But now the righteousness of God has been revealed. The, the law and the prophet bear witness of the righteousness of God. This was to show God's righteousness. It was to show His righteousness. You kind of get the feeling that Paul is here saying that what he's writing, this is about how you get God's righteousness. Now what is God's righteousness? Are you ready? It's Jesus made in flesh dying for you. That's His righteousness. And Paul said He was given as a gift for you. How do you receive His free gift? You do it by faith, not by your works, not by your goodness. It's by faith in what God has done on your behalf. Now what do you receive? How do you receive this righteousness and what does it mean? Look at the green there. To justify is a courtroom term. That is, that is a term that is not making you righteous. You've got, you've got to hear me here. This is the difference in so many religions. Some people believe justification is making you righteous. No, no, no. That's not what Paul means. He's not making you righteous. He's declaring you righteous. Courtroom scene you come before a judge, you've been caught speeding on North Franklin Street, 60 and a 35, and you're guilty as you can be. And you go to the Montgomery County Courthouse and you stand before the judge and all of a sudden he decides one day he's going to have mercy on you because just prior to that he was going 60 on North Franklin and never got caught. And he's, he's thinking to himself, you know. And so he's going to, you come up before him, how do you plead? I'm guilty. Uh, do you realize that you were driving X miles an hour over the speed limit? You could lose your license and receive a $500 fine? Yes, sir, I do. I'm guilty. How do you plead? I plead guilty because I am guilty. And this judge looks at you. I've seen this before in court. And he says, I'm going to dismiss the charge. <clears throat> And he takes that ticket and he...
puts his mark on it, dismissed, and writes his name. Guess what you get to do? You walk out of the courtroom and you are not guilty, but you are guilty. Now, let's put this in another term. Let's say the judge all of a sudden decides that you are guilty, but he's going to pay for your fine and declare you guilty, pay for your fine, and then mark you not guilty. And you, you don't know. I mean, this is, this is a declaration that, the, that a judge is making and he's declaring you righteous. Now, does that mean you're not going to speed again? You sinners, you. <laughs> when you receive Jesus by faith, that, that, that justification doesn't make you righteous. You are declared righteous. Now, once you understand this truth, guess what it does in your life? You realize that God has declared you righteous, you have been forgiven the penalty of all sin, and now you have an option. Your gracious loving Father and your gracious Lord Jesus, who has died in your place and given you His righteousness, has given this as a free gift by grace. Now what are you going to do? What are you going to do for your Father? Are you going to look at His grace and go, well, if I've been given that grace, I guess I can sin all I want. Is that what you're going to do? Paul answers that in chapter 6. He says, since we've received this grace freely, shall we sin so that grace may abound? Paul says, heavens no. God forbid. A child doesn't do that to their loving parent. A child obeys and wants to follow and serve their parent because they love them. God forbid. See, that's, that's two sermons away. But this is the grace we get imputed, great big word, credited, deposited in your account. And that account says justified. Righteous. You are declared righteous. Now what Paul's going to go on to say is, since you've been declared righteous, live righteous. Live this truth. This is positional truth. You're to live this truth out. Okay? Righteousness and justification. Okay, get on with it. Four truths, four truths regarding God's righteousness. Number one, it is provided from God alone. God alone is the one who gives it. Carefully in your text, with your finger on it in your Bible or on your phone, but now the righteousness of God, it is of God, from God, has been revealed. He gives this righteousness. He provides it. How does He do this? It's apart from the Ten Commandments, although they bear witness to it, Abraham and David. Notice verse 22, the righteousness of God, it is attained through faith. The object is Jesus Christ. And the recipients are all who believe. Are you following me? There is no distinction. All who believe receive this free provision of righteousness. And it's given by God. The second, it is needed by all. And by the way here, in Romans 3, he's writing to believers. Did you know that? 
You know, in Awana, and when we witness to people, we use this verse to try to show people that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's nothing wrong with that. But Paul's using this in a context of believers saying, yes, you fell short of the glory of God, and guess what? Lift your head up. You who fall short, you're also justified. You're justified. Why? Because we all need it. Look what he says in 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, this is bow season, archery season. Best illustration I know. What does this mean, fall short? You, sometimes you hear people say, well, it means miss the mark. You know, that would mean I'd have a, this flower would be my, my target and I'd pull a bow back, and I'd shoot, and I'd miss it. That's not what this means, fall short. What it means is, I'm trying to shoot my bow from here to Roanoke, okay? And let's say I've got a 50-pound 50, 50 pull. How far is it going to make it? Uh, just a little bit past Clyde's house, maybe. I don't even know if I can get that far. Uh, some of you have a recurve, and you won't get it out of the parking lot. Others may have a crossbow and you might get it to the courthouse, but I'm going to guarantee you something. You're not going to shoot a bow all the way to Roanoke. You want to know why? Because it's going to fall short. It's going to fall short of the mark. What is the mark? It's the glory of God. It's Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's His glory. And, and not one of us have the artillery needed to reach the target. So what does the gracious, loving God do? He sends the target down here to take our place. He becomes our wrath. He gives us a free gift of taking care of our sin. And He declares us a bullseye. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbel as a free gift. All need it. And now look at this. It is given. It's given. Verse 24, one of the greatest verses. Oh, this was from a theologian. Listen to what he said about this. Christian, take this for advice. Don't fall asleep during this. Mark this in your Bible. This was from a theologian named Newell, and he said, Now we come to the greatest single verse in the entire Bible on the manner of justification by faith. That is, how you become justified. We entreat you, study this verse. We have seen many a soul, upon understanding it, come into peace. You know, this is when you hear something like this and you, and you go, oh, now I get it. Now I see. And when you understand this truth, peace floods your soul. What does it say? Verse 24. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. Stop working for your salvation. Quit working for your salvation. It's done. 
work because of it. Come to the fall festival next Saturday. Shouldn't be a slot left out here. Y'all should fill them all up. Work because of it. But don't work for it. It is given to you. Justification is given to you by grace as a gift and it's through the shed blood of Jesus. It's a gift. Free. But very costly. Now, I want to take you back. Hold your place here in Romans. I want to help you for a minute. Go back to Matthew when Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. A lot of people confuse this. I want to help you even become more confused this morning, okay? Matthew chapter 5, we call this the Beatitudes. After Jesus preached this sermon, everybody was in depression. <clears throat> but here's why. Listen at uh, verse 6. I'm just going to read. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, he mentions righteousness one other time, but go down to verse 20. Verse 20. He says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness goes beyond that that the scribes and Pharisees think they have, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, what in the world did he mean by that? Do you know how many people I have heard say, well, that means I've got to be better than the scribes and the Pharisees. I've got to do more. I've got to be better. I've... That is not what he meant at all. I, I think Jesus was waiting for somebody to say, Lord, I have a question. What do you mean? He, he later goes on to tell them, he is the righteousness that you need. He is. But you see, the problem was they all thought they could attain it. They could be good enough. They were this. They were that. They did this. They did that. No, he says. Blessed is the one who realizes he can't attain it. But he can receive it as a gift. This is the work of God, Jesus said, that you believe on Him who the Father sent. I will give to you eternal life. You will never perish. No one will pluck you out of my Father's hand. He and I are greater than all. No man will pluck you out. But you have to receive the gift of righteousness. And that's Jesus Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. How do you get this righteousness? Thank you, Paul, for telling us. By faith in Jesus as a free gift of God. Now let me tell you something. If you leave here today and somebody asks you how you get saved and you say that you have to be good and work and do... I, I'm going to scream. <laughs> I'll scream. It's a gift of God. Not of works so that no one will boast. A free gift done for you. It's given. And then righteousness is declared. Declared. Verse 25 and 6, who God put forward as a satisfaction 
by His blood to be received by faith. And this was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. When Jesus died, God was just to declare Adam all the way up to the cross forgiven, righteous. And he's the justifier because he's the one who sent Jesus to die on their behalf. I hear some people say all the time, you know, well, I'm too bad of a sinner to be forgiven. What? What a small view of God. You don't understand how big God is and how big Jesus is and what His death meant to God. That is a slap in the face of God. To think that Jesus can't remove your little sin? I'm sorry. You want to go back in the Old Testament? Murder, adultery. I mean, I could go down the list. God has taken all those away. Not one person can stand and say, I'm too bad for God to forgive. No. That's bad theology. What we should say is, Jesus is so big, He can forgive anything and everything if we will put our faith and trust in what He did for us. If you'll just receive the free gift that God gives you. This is not a crutch, folks. It's a bridge. It's not to help you hobble along in life. It's a bridge to get to God. It's His righteousness that He offers as a gift. You know, I was talking to a man just a while ago, and he gave me permission to share this. This is, what, this is what we were talking about right here. And he said, I don't need Jesus. I don't need this God stuff. So this is what I said to him. I said, I am not here to talk you into anything because if I can talk you into it, someone else can talk you out of it. So get that off the table. But here's what I'm going to ask you. I said, you're, you're, you're getting older. You're over 75 years old. You are willing, right here and now, to look God in the face and say, I don't need what Jesus did for me and offers me throughout all eternity. I'll do it myself. I said, you're willing to tell him that? He said, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute, don't be putting words in my mouth. I, I don't know yet. I said, that is the big question that's right on the table. It's either you or Jesus. It's what He did for you or it's your own works. And God's going to take one of the two and if I were you, I'd take Jesus. I'd take Him. Now, He did not come to faith, okay? He, as a matter of fact, he, he pushed away. A couple of days later, He got mad at me. That's usually how it works. Got mad at me. I, it's okay. I, told, I said, I still love you. I, I still love you. And guess what? God does too. And His offer still stands. It's there as a free gift. All you, all you can do is receive it. Take it. It'll change your life. And when you do, get ready, folks. You are declared righteous. If someone asks you, how righteous do you have to be to get into heaven? The correct biblical answer is, you have to be as righteous as Jesus. I don't know about you, I wasn't as righteous as Jesus this week in my life. 
But you know, on my, on my theological bank account with God the Father, I'm as righteous as Jesus. You want to know why? Because He's already put that in my account. When you open my bank statement in heaven, you know what it says? Justified. Declared righteous by the Father through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And you know what's stamped on the outside of it? Eternal life. In Christ. Stamped on it. God's approval. It's declared. So here's a little picture I painted of the past. I'm I'm not going to go into all this. We'll do that later. But that's how God forgave all that sin. Romans 3, 25 and 6. But here's some lessons. Lessons you need to know about God's righteousness. Number one, everyone needs it. Everyone needs it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And guess what? If you believe on Jesus, you'll be declared righteous. Now, here's the way it works. One day, I I assure you of this, unless the rapture comes, one day, you're going to die. You're going to die. See, I have to tell you the truth. A doctor may not, but I will. You're going to die and you don't know when. And when you die, not one person, not your husband or your wife or your parents or your neighbor, me, Brian, no one else will be standing with you. Your body will go in the ground somewhere and your spirit, according to God's Word, will be taken somewhere. We'll get into that later. And what you have done with Jesus will determine your eternal destiny. You will be resurrected in your body again. Every unbeliever will be resurrected in a body. Listen to me. Every unbeliever as well as every believer. And they will be given a body in a resurrected state, and you will either live in eternal death or you will live in eternal life. If you don't believe me, read Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. It's as crystal clear as it can be. So the bottom line is, whose righteousness are you depending on? Yours or Jesus's. Okay, everyone needs God's gift. God offers His righteousness as a free gift to you. It's free, but it cost Him dearly. You have to receive it. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by Me. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. By grace, this is grace, by the way, folks. By grace, you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of your works, so that no man can boast. Free gift of God, received by faith in Jesus Christ. He's the object. By the way, your faith is not what gets you to heaven. Listen to me carefully. It's the object that you put your faith in. You can have faith the size of a mustard seed if you have a really good object. You say, this is why people would pray all the time, Lord, increase my faith. You say, well, I thought we were saved by faith through grace. You're saved by grace, by grace, through faith in the right object. 
The object is Jesus, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, who died for you. That's the object. And that is what gets credited to your account, His righteousness. So everyone needs it. God offers it as a free gift, and the free gift comes when the sinner places faith in the object, Jesus, as the one who satisfies God's wrath on your behalf. And folks, that's the glorious message of Romans. Wrath has been taken away. Now, in case you're wondering, well, how many sins does Jesus forgive when I believe on Him? You should write down right beside Romans 3, Colossians 2, I think it's verse 12, because Paul lays it out right there, and this is what he says. He has forgiven you all sin. Now, once again, what does all mean? Does that mean just up until the point you're saved and then you have to do good? Oh, please. Some people believe that, folks. They believe, well, now, when I trust Jesus, He'll forgive me up until the day I trust Him. After that, it's up to me. No, it's not. If it's up to you, you've blown it. I'm going to assure you, you've blown it. Just let me follow you down to 81 to Roanoke and I'll show you 10 times you've blown it. Not up to you. It's up to Him. When God stamps your bank account and He declares you righteous, it's not just till the moment you believe. It's for all eternity. You've been declared righteous by Jesus. And Paul says, live that way. When you mess up, what do you do? Father, I messed up. It's your child again. I've sinned. Don't save me again. I don't need to be saved, but I'm dirty. I need to be cleaned up. need to be in fellowship. We confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive Christians of their sin and to clean, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what He does to a believer. We live in fellowship. And the gift of righteousness, guess what it does when you receive it? By the way, it's a little, little teaser for next week. It opens the floodgate of blessing. Now, for those of you who have your Bible open, God bless you. Turn to Romans 5 very quick, because here it goes. You ready? I'm not going to preach this. I'm just going to read a little bit. Therefore, therefore, after God's righteousness has been... Therefore, since we have been justified by faith... Oh, you ready for this? We have peace with God. And it comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what so many people are looking for. They're looking for peace. You know how you find peace? Jesus. And when you understand that God has stamped your bank account as declared righteous since we have been justified by faith, guess what? You have peace with God. It's no longer about how you live and what you do and your little sin and your big sin. It's about your big Savior who died on the cross and paid the penalty for your sin. Now stop doing that. Not for your salvation, but because of it. Declared righteous. Since we've been declared, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not done yet, so you, you don't want to miss next week. You ready? Through Him, believer, justified one, through Him, you have obtained access by faith 
into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And more than that, we as Christians can rejoice in our sufferings. You want to know why? Listen. Because knowing that our suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the treasure trove of the justified believer. And I'm going to be like a kid next week. I'm going to open the treasure chest up and I'm going to get in there and grab one big nugget. That's hope. Y'all like hope? I do. Hope's not I hope. I hope so. That's not hope. Hope is I absolutely know for certain this is going to happen and I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for it to come. You have hope. And along with that as a Christian, you get patience and endurance through suffering and trials and hardship and all that good stuff. So we'll talk about that next week. Those are the blessings. But the question for today is, have you received this righteousness that is from God that is offered to you as a free gift. And if you haven't, today is the day that you can have peace with God. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. Everybody standing still. This, this is the most important moment of the sermon, so don't distract. Maybe you are here today and you were like me years ago. And when you realized your eternal destiny, you realized you had never put your faith, your hope in Jesus. That was me. Today, right where you're sitting, you in your heart, as you feel God speaking to you, letting you know that you have a need for Jesus, right where you are, you can receive Jesus by faith. What He did for you. You simply quietly just say something like this to God. Dear God, I realize my need for Jesus and His righteousness. I know I'm a sinner. I heard today what He did for me. And I receive His free gift as my righteousness. Make me your child. Give me eternal life through Jesus. And if you mean that in your heart, God says He will save you. And if you've done that today, please let one of us know so that we can help you grow in your Christian life. If you're still struggling with what you should do, as one man said, life is short, eternity is long. Jesus is the way. I plead with you, make sure, make sure that you realize what you're turning down, this free gift of God in Jesus. So Father, you know the hearts of people and I pray today that they would make the decision that brings glory and honor to you. Thank you for this gracious gift that we have in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.